Welcome to another episode of the Get Your Edge Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Bott. I'm here with my co-host, Coach Dean Manchin. He's got the work shirt on, the W-O-R Kimberly shirt. So we, you know, we got the Kimberly mantra going up and down the podcast, left and right. Just take it away, Coach. What do you got for us? Well, you know, we talk a lot about Kimberly, but when we got our guest on today, he's an Oscars North guy, and he was a integral part of the first state championship I've been a part of at Oshkosh North. And that was the year 2000 football season and Darren Charles. And he's way out in LA right now. So we are super excited to get this thing going. It's been great to talk to him before we hit the record button and let's rock and roll. Well, Dean, I, I remember that was, you know, my first year was at Wisconsin when you guys were playing down there. Uh, you and I had, had developed a, a, pretty good friendship but not nothing like we've developed over you know we've watered it for 22 years now and you know our friendship is as good as it gets but I'll never forget watching that game and you know watching Darren and, and another guy that came to Wisconsin Bob Doherty and and just what incredible talents they were and um just what incredible people they were and so you know Darren we're really excited to have you on out in California uh we're glad that you can uh find some time in your extremely busy schedule to hop on but DC why don't you just you know, give our listeners a little background on who you are, you know, a little bit about what you're doing right now. and We'll, we'll get to get into this thing here. I, I'm thrilled to be here with you guys. It's been some time, as you know, since we've really connected. So this is a, a great opportunity for us to chop it up. And uh, there will be more of that coming in the future. Obviously, I'm here based in Los Angeles. I've been here for roughly about 10 years as an actor, producer, and occasional model, which is strange because I'm about 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, but making that work. And um, in my spare time, I'm focused on athletes and, and giving back in that space. I'm really passionate about seeing athletes um, transition from sports to from the game, uh, from the game of sports to the game of life, as I call it. And so um, I'm trying to help those transition. So a lot of things I'm passionate about, and I'm sure we'll get a chance to talk about that. Darren, you know, in high school, it was just like I've always said, everybody asked me, you know, who's the best athlete? that you've ever had in my 28 years and on a previous podcast, I mentioned, Hey, Darren Charles by far. I mean, just an uh, incredible three sport athlete. And now today, you know, in 2022, we don't see a lot of three sport athletes right now. I mean, just in a school of our size, probably 1600 kids just uh, on the male side, you know, it's, it's less than a handful usually that that can juggle the three sports, but you did an incredible job. And I know basketball was your big sport obviously when you were going through the middle school and I remember, you know, it was basketball, 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 and somehow we got you to go off for football along with a lot of other coaches because we knew the talent that you were. And obviously you could help your, your classmates and, and the team and the school as far as the sport of football and connecting there. And then we also had an opportunity to get you out for track and uh, you know, track is more of an individual sport, but yet it's still a team sport. So, Talk about that experience, because I know you were you were so tall, and when you're so tall, it seemed like you had everybody mm -hmm. pulling at you. You know, they're pulling your legs, pulling your arm. Everybody's trying to get you to do this sport, that sport, and the other thing. But mm -hmm. you know, you've grown tremendously since you've gotten out of high school, gotten out of college. Obviously, with all the success that you've been doing, and just having that fear of you know, not failing of just moving so far away from Wisconsin and, and starting, you know, a new life out there. And that's, you know, tells a lot about yourself because a lot of people would not do that. You know, everybody wants to stay in their comfort zone. And what Brian and I always preach to our athletes is, hey, growth occurs when you get outside your comfort zone. 
So talk about that multiple sport experience and how it shaped you to the individual you are today. You really touched on a, a lot of amazing things. And I think what's most important for people to understand is that there is a level of danger in specializing. And I'll, I'll get into a little bit of that after I talk a little bit about my background. I, I played uh, baseball, traveling team baseball at about 13 or 14 years old, being sponsored by Pepsi, um, getting some great experiences in that sport, which is dynamic in its own way. There's a lot of waiting around. There's the need to um, come into sharp focus at times and then immediately make decisions. And by that, I mean, you know, you could stand around as an outfielder or the, the first baseman. And, and wait for an opportunity to come to you. And it might take one, two, three innings, but you got to perform right there on that beat. So, you know, being able to play multiple sports is about the skill sets that are required to be successful or basically participate in those. Uh, basketball had been a longtime sport of mine because I was always the tallest kid in my class. I was the tallest kid from my earliest years all the way up towards uh, my sophomore year in high school when I ran into Bob Doherty, who, as we said a little bit earlier, was a guy that I went to um, college with. But the challenge for me came when I had a three-inch growth spurt from my freshman to sophomore year. So I was about 16 years old, and um, I was, went from 6'3 to about 6'6 six, six to 6'7 six, within a period of a summer. So let's count this back. This is back in 1998. So I was six foot seven and that made a lot of things very odd, not, not just you know finding clothing, et cetera, self-expression and whatnot. So um, it was a tough time for me in that time and in, in that space of developing, trying to figure out who I am and having my body outgrow me was a very odd thing. Track and field came into my experience and into my life my freshman year. And that was introduced to me by uh, my high school um, quarterback's father. He said, you know, he recognized I was athletic because I played in our Eagles program, which was our sixth through eighth grade program. And so my freshman year, I was scared to actually go out for football. My mother was actually concerned for me as well because I was just so thin. I was just one of these guys. So he said, why don't you try track and field? You got a hold of me along with Jorgensen and immediately put me in the jumping, jumping events. I think my freshman year, I high jumped six foot seven out of the blue, had no idea that I could possibly even do that. I don't even think I could dunk a basketball my freshman year. It took me to my, my sophomore year in high school to be able to dunk the ball. And that was with the three inch growth spurt, as well as that working out and training that was done um, really in the spring. So you can see how baseball brought a certain level of skill sets of mental focus, explosion, um, concentration. And then with the, the physical growth of my body, getting into a sport that could potentially serve me and try something new and to see what can become of that. Uh, clearly, I was fortunate to have a little bit of success there. And then when I had that three-inch growth spurt, um, basketball started to serve me even more. And so at that point in high school, I'm in, I'm in two sports now, right? I'm in, I'm in spring and winter sports. I'm still a little bit nervous about football. In fact, I think that was, was it my sophomore year was the first year I went out for um, high school football. So yes. with that growth spurt, I was about six, 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 seven, 175 pounds. <laughs> I don't know what anybody can compare that to other than just being thin, a twig. And I always said that when I was on the football field, it was as, as though I was Bambi. I hadn't grown mentally, neurologically in my body. It wasn't responding the way I wanted to. And, and certainly I just wasn't tough enough. I hadn't sorted those things out. Um, Dean, I was close with him with track and field. I had just suddenly had this growth spurt. 
football became an opportunity that I really wanted to get into. Uh, he saw the potential in me and we got together in the off season and really started working out. And so what that looked like was year round sports at that point, really because I was introduced to an opportunity or really challenged to try something new through uh, my high school quarterback's father to do that and be under the leadership of you, Dean, and then continue with basketball because it just led me naturally and then getting into the football aspect. And all of these um, created different behaviors, skill sets that allowed me to start to open up my mind and start to see my body developing different ways. And of course, there's carryover track and field from the running, the sprinting, the jumping, the triple jump, the long jump, the relay events and camaraderie, the waiting around the track and field, um, something that I had experienced previously with baseball, uh, with football. This was a great opportunity to take all of the emotional energy and challenges and frustrations that I had in my community, in my personal life, with my outlook and perspective on the world, the things that I couldn't express, I could unload all of that right there on the football field. And frankly, football was a combination of really all these other sports in my mind. So I, I, I quickly uh, excelled at football once I was able to pull all those pieces together and have my body uh, function more appropriately. And um, there's so much more to be said from there, but I think that's kind of a good foundation. That, yeah. Real quick with that, you know, you were one of those situations where you had that big growth spurt. Now, both Brian and I see this, he sees it in the private sector, I see it in public schools, but I think it's very important for strength and conditioning coaches and sport coaches to understand that, yeah, the changes in your body, when you grow that fast, it's very frustrating as an athlete. You know, I, I think I remember had a two-inch growth spurt one summer, you know, and I was starting to get, you know, the Osgood Schlatter's in the knee and just severe tendonitis, but obviously those individuals that have that growth spurt, I think coaches got to realize, Hey, you know, you got to treat that individual a little bit different. And then it's going to take some time on your end. I know right now, currently in, in Kimberly, we'll change it and we'll progress or regress exercises in the weight room for those individuals. For example, we don't spine load those individuals anymore when they grow so fast like that because the body, it takes a while to catch up. And we, it is very frustrating. You, it seems in DC, you may be able like, I think guys lose more so than, than the females. I think guys lose flexibility because they stretch so far. You know I mean, I yeah. think we bought, we battled that with you, Darren, for, for years, right? That, 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 that's exactly what we kind of touched on before we got going. See, with that three inch growth spurt, when your mind can't make the connection to those new ranges of motion, it's very much like stretching and opening up your, 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 your stance, your body, your muscles more. Once you've created that new space, you have to bring in new strength to compensate for that. And then you need to make that mind body connection so that you can feel safe in this new range of motion. Um, what I was doing was um, at that time when I had my growth spurt and I didn't realize this, realize this till decades later, it was a, a, a compensating for, for those elements where I probably should have done a better job. And this is a great tool for anybody listening. If, if you're having growth spurts like this, focus, focus on the flexibility in the ankles, knees, hips regions, specifically the hamstrings yeah. and um, really get mobility in place. It's a great opportunity to like lay the correct foundation so that the strength comes in. You know, it's known that the, the larger you get, the longer you get, the more you have leg leverage, the stronger you get. But, you know, by activating those spaces and strengthening, it compounds that. You'll, you'll be more successful, more fast, more strong, more explosive. Well, I, so, think, I think Dina's strength coach, right? You touched on a great, uh, a great point that 
you know, you can't, you know, everybody's not five yeah. eleven. You know I mean, you're gonna, you're gonna, and you're gonna have kids that that let, let's, you know, call it what it is. Kids are gonna hit puberty at different times, and they're gonna hit those growth spurts at different times, and you have to be able to adjust for them. But the other thing you have to do is that no matter what the exercise, you have to make sure they go through a full range of motion. So even if you are squatting those kids or front squatting or box squatting them, they have to go through a full range of motion because if you just let them go to where their, you know, their body prohibits them, you know, from going any farther and say that that's okay, you know, and you keep letting them load more and more and more, that's where major injuries occur in athletes. And Darren, you know, you're such a great example of this. I, I, we currently have a couple of guys in our, in our school that are just it, it kind of in their situation, you know, they're six, 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 seven, like that hit some growth spurts. So what kind of get your edge advice? Because that's the name of the podcast here. Would you yeah, get jumping way ahead of here, Dean? <laughs> yeah, but we're going to really, you know, we're going to really target that population because I think it's important yeah. for those people because it, it's not so common. Like you said, it's not the five eleven, but, I think it gets very frustrating for those individuals. I think as coaches, sport coaches, we can never rule those individuals out because you never know when that, you know, your, your brain catches up with your body and everything starts working. I know some people say, oh, that, you know, that athlete's really clumsy. They can't play. And I've seen over the course of my career that, hey, just be patient and, and just allow them to get used to it, work on mobility, like you said, work on some things that are going to be functional and you'd be surprised what happens. I, I, to, to your point. I, yeah. And I, I agree with you the, the entire way it, it all comes down to mindset. Most everything does. And as young men and women, they're looking towards, you know, the coaches, the strength training coaches, the actual coaches, teachers, everybody for leadership and directing them. And what I've found is obviously information is King, but um, I, I wasn't really in a situation where I was receiving the information and tools as much as I needed to be successful. And I think um, for coaches or even these young kids, it's, you know, when you're in a growth spurt, things can drastically shift in ways that are unexpected. But let, let's say here's one, if, if you're 6'3 playing basketball, such as myself, and then you become 6'6", I mean, if you're looking short term, you might be playing in the three through five position in your high school basketball team, right? Small forward all the way up to center. But if you're looking long term and you don't grow past that six foot six, you're looking more at a shooting guard and a point guard in the NBA. So the kids don't really have the, the long sight to see that vision. So coaches have to give the kids the opportunity to step into something more long-term in that way. Here, here's another great example of mindset. Uh, I played against uh, Appleton East High School my, my junior year in high school. They had a, a wonderful team at the time. I think it was Jackson Emnott was their fullback or whatever. He went on to be successful. But I, I went up for this ball in the back of the end zone at the end of the game. And I, I remember jumping as high as I possibly could under the, you know, under the lights and uh, the ball soared directly through my hands. And from that moment on, I don't think I ever dropped a ball that came near me. And, and that was a mindset that I wasn't consciously aware of, but became something that I stood on for the rest of my career all the way through college. And, and as much as that helped me, it, it, really, um, it really hurt me in other ways, such as um, catching and transitioning and, and creating um, more after catching the ball, which Brian bought, you know, you know, from my, my college days, I, I was willing to put my body in unusual positions to get to the ball. And I think most people would, but um, 
I realized I was locked into a mindset. So it's like, how can you get these kids to see parts of them that they can't or see a future that's, that's not readily available for them to even know for themselves? Well, DC, I think, you know, you brought up college, you know, I think now, you know, you were the, I, I think we haven't talked about this. You were the player of the year in the state, right? I think. In Wisconsin. Yeah, I, yeah. Wisconsin state football player of the year. I was a uh, first team, um, all state free safety and wide yeah. receiver. Yeah. I'll, you know, state champion. Now you, you step on a college campus and, you know, I, I think I'm right in this um, of some of the guys that were also stepping on as receivers. You had Brandon Williams, right? You had That's Donald right. Moore, yes. Aaron Charles. And a guy that really didn't play much, but is really attacking the receiver world and Brandon White with Receiver Factory. So yes. I mean, when you start to look at that group of receivers, you got that may have been the best recruiting class Wisconsin's ever had. And I don't know if there's I, mites about it. I mean, that, that you guys, I, I mean, I'll never forget because we had, you know, back then it wasn't like the freshman came, you know, the first day. It was like a couple guys showed up here, you know, some guys showed up the second week. You know, I, I remember it was like four days in a row. It was like you and Doc showed up. So I, you know, knew. and then the next day, B. Will comes. And I watched him run. I'm like, holy, <laughs> holy shit, this guy. Could, I mean, and then it was B. White. And I'm like, oh my God. And then J.O. J.O. was like another Bambi, but you were just, you know, you looked at him, you're just like, this guy's going to be a good player. And I'm just like, so for you, like stepping into that, you know, from being, you know, the guy in the state, you know, and then, you know, what was it like trying to make that transition? And then, I mean, the relationship you guys had was, was fantastic. You know, from my point of view, I mean, all very supportive of each other and things like that. How, how was that transition for you? What was it like? What was it, you know, you, you were the man and then you sure. up on campus and then it's like, you know, I'm not the only Start. receiver. They were, we're right a minute here. Like, I'm not the only receiver. <laughs> like, what's the deal here? Yeah, yeah I mean, every, every new level brings a reset. So that's the first and foremost, what you must know. And that's everywhere. Every, every aspect of your life is like that, but specifically with, with football, you know, I, I played in the all-star game for the state of Wisconsin. And that's when I ran into a guy by the name of Jim Leonard. And I had frankly not faced anybody remotely near his skill set. So, so when I showed up to those practices in that camp, I, I was, I was kind of shook by by his skill set and what I wasn't able to accomplish against him because that was a rude awakening. He's gone on to have a, an outstanding career, but that, so that gave me a little inclination of what I was to expect um, in terms of competition. Um, in, in terms of fighting for that job and fighting for that role, um, you said it really well. We had uh, Brandon White who could shake, shake and bake really, really well, really elusive. You had Jonathan Orr who was a speed guy. He was long and lengthy, but he could create amazing separation. Uh, Brandon Williams, another talented guy out of St. Louis. Um, you're starting over and all you have is the foundation that you've set for yourself. And that's the preparation that you've had in your mind as well as in your body. And now you're in a brand new environment uh, with greater expectations, uh, an audience that you're likely to see right away. I mean, you know, I was, my birthday's in May. So it was May 3rd. I turned 18 years of age. By that September, I was on national TV playing for ABC um, against the Oregon Ducks. So yeah. the preparation and that <laughs> change um, is drastic. Um, and, and I'm not sure where to start. But what I can say is that 
the University of Wisconsin prepped me very well in that everything is formalized. You're going to have some strength training coaches that are looking over you, making sure that you're you're handling um, the weights well. You're going to have some people making sure your education's on path, but it's really up to you to execute um, in those ways. So leading up to that, it's all about your training. And that's the importance of having the correct information, knowing what to expect, what's going to happen, having some mentors and people that can take care of you. But yeah, it's a fight. It's a fight. <laughs> you see, let's talk about, you know, that whole family atmosphere, you know, Wisconsin or just, it was in, I remember bringing my son to games when you and Docs were playing and, and you guys were walking, you know, down through the stadium, down through the tunnel and, you know, you're, you're slapping, you know, high fives with my son and, and we're just jacked to see you and bots coming through. And, you know, this that marching of hearing those cleats, you know, just yeah. right on that cement, that concrete and just all these guys just coming down, just looking like giants when you're Marcus Matchy and you're looking at all you guys and now you're even taller and cleats and bots just going crazy. And <laughs> everybody's, you know, I had about, I had about a thousand milligrams of caffeine in me. By the game day. It was like, just but, jacked. Yeah. Just, just yeah. ready to go. But, you know, talk, talk about that whole experience. You, like you mentioned, you were young and, you know, you're going out there and you're, you're, you're on big time TV and, you know, everybody in the community is rooting for you. And, um, you know, what is that atmosphere like? And then, you know, your receiver group and then that adjustment to economics. How, how hard was that for you? Oh, wow. Um, first of all, you're getting me just jacked up again. My, my blood's pumping. I'm, I'm starting to sweat again. And I'm thinking of bot with his hat backwards in his polo top, it's like charged, ready to charge. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. Um, game day, uh, baby. Yeah. There, you know, when that bus starts rolling through the town and you see how awake everybody is and you see that red and white and, and, and the students on campus are as equally jacked up as all the community members and everybody's kind of surrounding this space, insulating you. It's, it's, it's such a rewarding, surreal experience. And you, um, your nerves are there, your nerves are shooting through the roof, but what you have is those repetitions. You have that camaraderie and community that you, that you've developed. And what I specifically love about being in the big 10 and the university of Wisconsin, well, first of all, I was a Wisconsin guy, but you know, being in the big 10 and, uh, these Midwest values and, um, just pull my pull my screen here and um, um, and, and really having that support it um, really makes you feel that it's more possible uh, than, than what you can imagine and so you rely on these other guys and um, I, it's such a rush you're thinking about not tripping and falling first and foremost oh, yeah, right because <laughs> because because you're coming down that slope and then suddenly it flattens out and you got you know, a couple of 300 pounders just running you down from behind and you're just hoping your heels aren't being clipped. And, you know, the cheerleaders arms are up and the band's going wild and then the stadium's going crazy. And you're thinking, well, I, you're probably, you're not really thinking you're in it. You're, it it's gladiator mode. So I, you know, and I just remember being so embraced um, by that community and feeling so alive and, and feeling as though I was prepared because of the leadership, you know, and that started in the weight room because that's the first thing you kind of get into when you get on campus. And then, you know, coach Henry Mason, uh, was our position coach and, you know, he was electric and fun on his own. So, um, yeah, a lot of nostalgia and, 
and you know you're on a stage and you know what you're doing is important and you don't fully understand the the impact of this and you know coaches will you know try to encapsulate this and try to communicate it to you you know you're in a fishbowl you're in a bubble you got to watch what you're doing and you know there's these segments uh, big pieces of this puzzle and and it's true that what you really don't want to do in circumstances like that on a stage and with opportunities like this not just running out of the tunnel but having the opportunity to play that sport that you love or being at a big school or university, you don't want to do the things that will come, cause that stuff to come to an immediate end. You don't want your career to end. You don't want to get yourself in trouble. You, you want to worry. Uh, you want to be concerned with may, perhaps not getting a woman pregnant. You don't want to be stealing and doing things like this. The world is looking at you and they're looking up to you. And while you may not want to take on those tasks, those responsibilities, um, they're inevitably yours and they come as a, as a part of the package deal. Yeah. Yeah. Territory, right. right? And I think that's yeah. anything in life, right? The, the more that, that you want to try and get out of life, the more that you're visible and the more people are going to have their eyes on you, you know, and in today's day and age, even way more so than when you guys played like the social media. I mean, think about that 20 years ago. I mean, it, it's just crazy how things have changed. So, you know, things have changed, but they haven't changed that much. But the visibility is so much greater now because, like, you could have been walking down Mifflin Street and there could have been 100 phones on you, you know, that's right. or, or anything, you know. And so I think that's crazy. Um, the impact of your decisions are, yes. are, are magnified. And, and, and people are looking to... Um, people are looking not, to bring not, down. That, that, that's right. They're, they're asking you to be, be in integrity, to be the person that the culture says and society says you're supposed to be. And when you right. fall short of that, somebody's going to be there recording that and they're going to try to elevate that experience everywhere. So you can't be doing the dumb stuff anymore, which, you know, it makes it tough because you're just young learning and growing, but. Um, right. You're a college student yep. in a, in a, in a city where there's college things that happen with let's that's right. Way. And so, yeah, that's, that's the unfortunate part about it now, you know, and then you put money in it with the NIL. So yeah, yeah. We don't, we don't go there. Um, just complicated. Yeah. Yeah. DC, so, um, you know, with some of the athletes we have, you know, you grew up in a single parent household, correct? Um, oh, yeah. So, you know, I think, you know, there's, I think there's a lot of stories out there about really successful athletes and non-athletes as people that have become very successful. They use the motivation of their family um, for the reasons why they do things. Um and you see so many athletes giving back, you know, a lot of times it's to their mom or sometimes to their dad that, that you, you know, or to a person that was a, you know, figure in their life um, that helped them, um, you know, when they were young and things like that. You know, I think we have a lot of athletes and, and, and people listen that may be in that same situation. So what are just what's some advice you could give to them? Because, you know, the, the most successful people and you're one of them. You know, I'm sure there's times that you were like, this isn't fair. You know, why, why don't, you know, whatever, you know, and, and there's a lot of parts in life, but I think if you don't have two figureheads in your life, sometimes people want to use that as an excuse um, and things like that. So what's some advice you can give to, you know, some of our younger mm -hmm. athletes that may be in the same situation you grew up in and, and, and how to really come out successful and, and still have that strong family, um, you know, atmosphere. That's a, that's a great question. Um, something I had struggled with uh, for some time. And I think this is a, a great way to alleviate that for some of these athletes. Obviously, they're doing it 
for the love of the game, what the game, the sport is giving back to them, recognition, significance, um, opportunity for education, better future. Um, and obviously you're doing it for your parents. You want to <clears throat> alleviate their situation, their sufferings, and whatever that socio socioeconomic um, challenge could be, or, or whatever it is that you feel that um, in a way you're, you're, you're running away from or, or even running towards. So let's just kind of acknowledge that first and foremost. And I think one of the key things that, that athletes can do is really just trying not to fall through the gaps. And I touched on it just a little bit before. You're young, you're striving, you're doing things, you're pushing out, thrusting yourself into the world and trying to figure out who you are against all of these challenges. And people are talking to you a lot. You have your teachers, your coaches, your parents, uh, maybe other authority figures. And the key thing to understand is, is if you're not thriving and as successful as you want to be, or if you're frustrated, it's one of two things. You either don't know enough or you're unable to control your actions enough to create even further success. So with those two things, make sure you don't fall through the holes. Don't do anything that's going to be detrimental that will stop and halt your career from moving forward. That's a huge thing. Now, if I would have said, be kind and say thank you to people, that would have landed quite like what I had just said previously. Being kind to people, saying your pleases and thank yous, even when it's frustrating, even when it's hard, allows you to develop some patience and some understanding that you just don't know enough. There have, pe there have been people who've just lived so much more and further than you, and they're trying to direct you and impart some wisdom. So be patient listen. Another piece of this is, is the skills that you're developing now, the willpower, the determination, the strength, the speed, all the skills that you're using as an athlete, you will be using later on down the road. You will run into these relationships down the road. Brian Bott here and, and Dean Matchy, they've known each other for 20 something years. They started this podcast recently. Um, I was a young man you know, 14 through 18 years old playing with Dean Matchy and, you know, in my early 20s with Brian Bott. Here we are now, like decade and a half later, and we're engaging in this relationship. So it's all about taking care of the people that are with you currently where you're at, being patient, being tolerable, and, and just trying to do the right thing. It pays off long term because ultimately you're building the skills and the self that is going to lead for you to be successful. And then it'll continue to snowball and you'll keep stacking the skill sets um, as you grow just naturally. So that's something. Yeah, I love that. And that's so many great points right there. That was really good. Hey, right now you're doing some really good stuff. I mean, I just watched, listen to you on Instagram live and, you know, after your playing days, I think you kind of decided that, you know, it was a tough adjustment for you. I think for professional athletes, once they're done, it's, you know, that's kind of their identity. So it's kind of explain what you're currently doing and then how you really want to help athletes once their playing careers are over. I will start by saying, go at your dreams at all costs. If it's in your heart, go at it, go at it until the last breath, but know when to cut that cord and head in the next direction. I was fortunate enough to get play division one football sports, um, get to the NFL, play with the Chicago Bears and touch that dream. Once I got there, I quickly realized that I was at a fork in the road. Um, I had realized that there may be other things out here that I didn't expect 
for, for me to have. There's another future. There's another longevity. There's another person that I could be, but it may not be attainable if I continued as an athlete. And so from a personal standpoint, I had to come to a decision whether I was going to move forward with that or not. And that was a very difficult moment for me, a moment of gratitude and understanding. And, and, and that caused a sharp, sharp um, kind of uh, shift in my world. And I had to separate from athletics and take a step back and try to figure out who I was, right? The identity being wrapped up in sports as an athlete. So um, there's challenges there in that space. I've successfully been able to transition through that, which I'll touch on a little bit uh, here shortly. And then now I'm out in LA. And part of my transition to Los Angeles is getting into entertainment and my desire to demonstrate more vulnerability, strength, courage, try to understand more what it means to, to, to be a man in the world as I kind of step out on my own away from the insulation of community, past experiences, uh, notoriety, et cetera. And so I'm out here in the entertainment industry as an actor, producer, and, and I model, believe it or not, uh, at six foot seven and, uh, you know, having some success with this, um, writing in projects that have made it to HBO and, you know, working with big brands like Starbucks and, you know, Nest and et cetera. So I'm having fun in that space, understanding more about human psychology, human behavior. And as I'm doing this, moving towards a second dream and a third dream, things that I never would have expected back in my early 20s, I'm realizing that there's this big open space here where athletes aren't being served as much as they could, specifically in the spaces of their transition. And so I've been having conversations on Instagram Live and my personal life, phone calls, going to NFL networking events, talking with uh, college athletes, high school athletes, and imparting uh, my wisdom and experiences through the transition. So one of my big goals then, just to get a little bit more clear, I know I'm getting worded here, is to oh. funnel, funnel the resources in, into the space of the transition. So it's guest speakers, it's community, it's uh, festivities, all geared towards um, all Hall of Famers, sports and genders all across the board to help our student athletes be successful. Because I personally believe that athletes can be the leaders of tomorrow. You've developed the willpower, the strength, you've overcome physical and mental cha challenges. But it's, it's getting past the, the, again, the pitfalls in the transitional space. So, um, and, and if you'll allow me just to say a couple pieces, uh, oftentimes when, when sports end, the resources end. Your college tuition ends, uh, you, you're, you're leaving your college town headed either back home, back to the old friends who never built the skill sets, saw the level of success that you did. Um, you've lost your identity, you don't have references, you don't have a, a lot of job history. And even more so, you have to catch up with your academic counterparts. You know, all those student athletes or all those students that you played in front of on Saturday, they've now graduated and gone on to professional jobs. But now you have to step off that pedestal and put away your pride and, and, and figure out who you're going to be. And so those are all unique challenges um, that exist in that space. And um, I think there's an opportunity to pour some love and information and resources and tools and um, make that smoother. And the feedback I've been getting has been just successful so far. So I'm just standing in that space and, and allowing it to show me what it wants to be. DC, that's awesome. That, I mean, that's, that's going to be, that's awesome. I can't say enough about it. I love it. Um, Thank you. So for, you know, Dean tried to take my thunder because this was supposed to be my, my 
Um, but he likes to do that with all his. We got guys. lots of thunder, Brian. Which we we seem to have a lot of Fox Valley guys on here, so it's like I kind of just whenever I can get a word in edgewise, I do. But anyways, um, sorry, I've been winded too. <laughs> all the athletes, you know, that we have listening, you know, you know, the podcast is called Get Your Edge, you know, and so we always try and have our guests give something that they feel can give athletes a competitive advantage. And what's really cool is because most of the people we have on were former athletes. Um, and so something that you feel like either you use to give yourself a competitive advantage or that you've learned, you know, through the, you know, through different things that you've done through your career. And like, looking back, you're like, man, I wish I would have done this. You know, I had a great career. I had a great high school, college, you know, opportunity to play NFL. But if I had done this, you know, maybe I could have taken it a little farther or it could have been a little better. Is there anything like that out there you can share with, with our kids and our, and our parents? Yes, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> hard work is a big component of that. You've heard it over and over again, but it really comes down one to one. It's always going to be you versus you. It will always be that way. And so whether you're getting that last repetition in the weight room or if you're running cross courts or, or uh, ladder drills on the field or whatever it may be, it's up to you to work that edge. And that can look like getting that toe pointed in that tough position at the end of a, um, uh, an adjustment in your, in your movement. It could be um, doing that one little piece extra that only you know is going to make you better. And nobody else around you is going to be able to notice that. And nobody else is really going to be able to praise you, but it will pay off in the long term. And, and having that skill and owning that for yourself will take you thousands of miles further than the next person, because eventually you'll get to the point where the crowd is no longer there. It's just going to be you behind closed doors, getting those repetitions in, working against yourself. And that's where you're going to create the life that you want when nobody's looking. Another piece to that would be, um, making sure that you get your mindset right. I know you're fighting and, 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 and again, trying to thrust yourself in the world and become somebody and everybody's pulling at you from every direction, social media out there, et cetera. But it's really important that you find the information that you do not know. If you want to be an excellent athlete in whatever sport, read a book, read a biography, get into Arnold Schwarzenegger's uh, uh, you know, strength and training Bible, understand how these uh, muscles work in your body, understand where your weaknesses are and how you can attack that from a strength standpoint, ask, be vulnerable enough, be courageous enough to ask for help, ask for that information. Um, Great point. Those things will, will, will frankly just really take you far. Um, and I got a few more, but I'll, I'll hold off. <laughs> that, that was good. I, I think that's great message for coaches too, right? I mean, so many young coaches we see don't want to ask their boss or don't want to ask the director for help. They want to try and figure it out on the own. And a lot of times they don't know what they're trying to figure out, you know? So I think the asking for help is great. Dog, you got anything more for your guy? Darren, I just want to just mention how proud I am of you, you know, in your situation and, you know, and, and, and just having your mom just, trying to raise you and, and, and two brothers and everything like that, that you've had to make a lot of choices and you took an opportunity of your God given gift of, of being a great athlete. And you've always been so humble and your personality is just contagious, man. You've always, you're the same person you were when you were in high school 
as you were at the collegiate level, playing for the Badgers and the limelight, playing on ABC in front of millions of people. And I can just, you know, I'm beaming. It's, it's why we do what we do. It's why I teach. It's why I coach. And having you be so successful and you're continually learning and you're growing and, and you're never satisfied wherever you're at. And I'm extremely proud of you. Super excited when you get back in the area. Hook us, we'll hook up and uh, we'll get together. We'll chat a lot more. Maybe we can even get Brian to drive up from Madison. You know what? I love that. Or, or, you know, we could even meet somewhere in between, but you know, I, I gave you guys some roses earlier. Um, it, it's really important. And, and I would like to speak for a lot of athletes that have passed through the system, through you guys, through your leadership. I, I, I hope I can be an example of the impact that you made while you were there. And um, I certainly appreciate you guys more than you can possibly know. And my gratitude continues to expand as I um, reflect on those formative years. And so, I, you know, I remember uh, speaking in front of the Kimberly kids, that class while I was at the University of Wisconsin, and to, to let them know that if they bought in, if they really got behind you and, and put in that work, they could have success. And I, I think you guys have been going on strings of championships ever since then, your leadership, Jorgensen's, et cetera. And you know, Brian, you, you, you've been off to the races. And I, and when I came in as a freshman at the University of Wisconsin, I, I was still so raw as an athlete coming off that growth, growth spurt. But, you know, you welcomed me in and, um, you know, you put me through the rounds to make me successful. And I, and I will let everybody know that I think I was freshman all Big Ten and uh, my career um, was pretty much set then. So I was in great hands with both of these guys. So um, I just want to thank you and, and give you your roses. And in January, I'd love to, you know, get together and, you know, even talk to your kids if that's an option. Well, Absolutely. I definitely, I, I, I love my trips up to Darboy University. So I'll, I'll, I'll make a trip up there and see my guy and see Coach Mangan and, and see everybody else up there. But that's going to end this episode of the Get Your Edge podcast. Um, it's just awesome guest, DC. We just, we were, Dean and I have been talking for the last couple of days how excited we were to have him on. Um, you know, it's really very unique that we have an athlete that Dean and I have both coached, um, you know, quite a long time. You know, sometimes you touch an athlete here and there, but, um, you know, we both had a long uh, term with, with Darren and uh, just really, really glad to, uh, to have you on. DC, real quick, uh, any Instagram, Twitter, uh, real quick, that, that anybody could follow you on because you're putting yes. out great contact. So, yeah, we're going to get that quick. Thank you. Go, go directly to my Instagram. It's Darren.Charles. That's D-A-R-R-I-N dot Charles. In my profile, I got a little link there. Click on it. And you can see everything that I'm up to. Awesome. Awesome. We'll put that in the show notes too. So that's going to end this episode of the Get Your Edge podcast. And we will see you next time. Chop it.